Hey, I'm back again. The look might be familiar on the double record day, but the Cleveland Guardians lost today to the Chicago White Sox. White Sox wanted to make a statement, and they certainly did in this game. Uh, it was an ugly loss. Uh, if you're a White Sox fan, you have to feel pretty happy right now. If you're a Guardians fan, significantly less so. We're going to talk about this game. We're going to preview the Minnesota matchup and get into a few bits of news on today's episode of Locked on Guardians. You are Locked on Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Guardians. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Uh, as I stated, I'm Jeff Ellis, the host of Locked On Guardians, as I have been for near 800 of these episodes. Uh, before that, I was a lead draft and prospect analyst at Scout 24 7, and before that, I wrote for many a Cleveland sports blog. Well, thank you for making Locked On Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is you get podcasts. I do want to say, uh, Paperwork's been signed. Guest, not guest, new co-host is coming. There's been a little confusion. I'm not going anywhere. It just gives me a chance to take some time off doing a daily podcast. I mean, even in the off season, it's three days a week. I haven't, I've taken like maybe two, three weeks off. And I know there's plenty of people being like, you just talk. Well, you have to line up what you're going to talk about. You have to write up what you're going to talk about. You have to then email multiple people. You have to go through and do some editing checks. There's a lot of things. If it was just showing up and talking, I probably wouldn't have needed a co-host. But having someone else take a little bit of the weight off is going to be nice. Uh, and that'll be four. I'm going to wait. I'm going to let that person announce it themselves. I'm not going to steal their thunder. So you can stay tuned for that. Um, in terms of the game today. So listen, Elvis Andrews looked clairvoyant. Now he's going to be a folk hero in Chicago instead of being, uh, you know, someone we can call like, what a dumb move. He gets to look like a, a hero. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he... If his future is in Chicago. Like, do they make an attempt to keep him or all? And not just because of this one game, but he's been relatively effective for them uh, after being largely ineffective uh, for Oakland. And, I mean, even Texas. He, he's not... He is a player that got that contract very young, and it felt like he was always a slight disappointment in my mind. Does anyone else feel like that? Except for facing the Guardians. He's always feasted. It was a rough day for Hunter Gaddis. Another rough start. He's had two starts. Both times he's gotten lit up. And it's this time four innings, eight hits, seven earned runs, one walk, three strikeouts, five home runs. He had eight hits. Five of them were home runs. Uh, everyone was just Gavin Sheets, Andrew Vaughn, Yohan Mankata, Yasmani Grandel, and Elvis Andrews all went yard on him. And that's pretty much all she wrote. Cleveland got one run in the second. By that point, they were, you know, by the fifth inning, they were down 8-1. to one. Uh, They get another one in the seventh, and then the White Sox get another one late. It was rough. <laughs> it was a game that got out of hand. It was a game where the pitching crumbled and the offense didn't really show up. Uh... <clears throat> Cleveland managed nine hits in this one uh, and one walk in the game. Uh, there was the one error on Yasmani Grandal, so that should be about 11 runs 
or, I'm sorry, that's 11 base runners. That should be about three runs, maybe a little less, maybe two, which is a little less than three, obviously. But they got two. Uh, they just couldn't seem to swing anything, you know, get a whole bunch of stuff together. Who reached base multiple times? Rosario had two hits. It's nice because before that, I mean, he was getting dangerously close to his OPS, dropping below 700. Uh, Benson had two hits, which is also nice for a guy who's been struggling. And then Straw with three hits. Don't look now. Batting average is up over 210. Straw is showing, again, signs of life. And, you know, I get it. Not showing signs of life of late has been Stephen Kwan. It's been rough. Uh, when Ahmed was really in that bad stretch back against Seattle, and we were kind of pointing it out, we got to point out, the guy who's not seeing the ball well at all now, the guy who's not playing well at all now, is Stephen Guan. He is just not performing very well, and it, it's the guy at the top of your lineup. Uh, do you change it? No. <laughs> he's done too much this year. You assume he's going to turn it around. Uh, the bigger problem, it's like Rosario had the two hits, and then you've got Quan, Jose, and Naylor combined 0 for 12 uh, with one walk. That's, hey, listen... With the way the pitching went, they probably weren't going to win this one. So you can just, we don't need to, to bury anyone. Uh, Shaw went out, hitting a walk, two strikeouts, getting closer to that big bonus. Eli Morgan. This is maybe one of the best parts of this game for me. Eli Morgan was their best reliever for about three months. If he can get even back to like 80% of where he was, and we did a whole piece on him where he kind of like, what's wrong with Eli Morgan? And it felt like confidence. Listen, he was extremely lucky in the first half. He's extremely unlucky in the second half. But seeing him on the mound, it just looked to points like he was not the same confident player. Two innings, one hit, two strikeouts. That's great. If you can get him, again, back to 80% of where he was, how much deadlier does a already deadly bullpen get? Like, they might have the best. And it kind of makes me wonder, too, when you're looking at guys like 90... Listen, they gave Class A the extension, so he's not going anywhere. But if you got 99, you got Trevor Steffen, you got Nick Sandlin. If Morgan rebounds, do they look to move a reliever? Is that what they can maybe do? I talked about last offseason. It's like if Miami, which felt like maybe they'd have an extra bat. I was talking about Gary Cooper at the time. I'd have to go look and see how he's played this year. It's like maybe a reliever is actually one of their best trade assets to try and upgrade this team. But signs of life from Eli Morgan are huge. Kirk McCarty, you know, he gave up the run uh, in the ninth with three hits. I I would be surprised if he's on the 40-man at the end of the year. Let's just be honest about that. Not a knock on him. He's a useful player. He is a quad-A depth guy. He is great in that type of role. But I, I think that is probably his role going forward. They might lose him again at some point on a waiver claim. But I think that he is... Uh, that's his best role. Uh, let me know what you think on that. Three stars for this one. Uh, I, I mean, I think you have to go through. Ahmed and Benson each had two hits. And they also had the only extra base hits. Those are very clearly two of your three stars. And then the last one is Straw versus Morgan. And, I mean, three hits. He led the team in reaching base. I have to give it to Miles Straw over Eli Morgan. Uh, in this one, but I think you give it to those three offensive players. You're like, how can you give it to three offensive players? This team scored two runs. Well, here's kind of the problem. Rosario had two hits, two guys directly after him. Uh, Ramirez and Naylor went 0 for 4. Two hits for Benson. 
The guy directly after him, Hedges, 0 for 3. By the way, if you're watching, Hedges is kind of... Remember when he was, like, second half going up, and now he's kind of going down? I'm still for keeping Hedges, by the way. Uh, that Travis Sacek piece is really interesting. Speaking of interesting pieces, I'm going to do another piece recommend in the second half. We're going to discuss Anthony Ghosts and more of what's kind of occurring with this team, with the Twins, on the horizon on today's Locked Up Guardians. But first, let's take a quick ad break from our good friends at Bet Online. I was just over at Bet Online. It's kind of interesting. Uh, you can even bet on AAA baseball. I saw that was one of the live ones going on right now. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football, league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week's games. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online, where the game starts. So, which let's talk Miles Straw. So, I thought it was interesting to go look at his data, just month by month. We can go back to that March, April, where he was really good. May. Poor June, terrible. July actually had a 95 runs created plus, uh, 678 OPS. August was his worst month. I mean, August he was just a dying dog, a negative 46. His OPS was a 222. That's a bad batting average on an OPS. So far in September slash October, he's up to an 86, a 644 OPS. You're hoping like an 86 in 95 are obtainable and something he can do. Like if he can really kind of more play that way, it just completely changes the outlook for him. And that's kind of, I think, what they thought he was going to be when they went out of the way to acquire him. And if you're like, hey, those aren't inspiring numbers. Why are you so low on Ahmed, who's kind of a, who does more than that, who's in the high 90s, who is more of that 97 type? Okay, it's because of the defense. If Ahmed could play defense like Straw and hit like this, he'd be on Droughton Simmons, and I would be okay with it. He's not. Like, I need a plus trait. Like, that's essentially what it comes down to. And he's got plus speed, but Ahmed also has plus speed. I need a few plus traits to really uh, dig in, and that's why I'm kind of a little more uh, excited about the potential turnaround. Also, because, I mean, center field is very hard to find. I mean, I remember talking with, uh, why am I blanking out? Joe Doyle who works at, you know, Prospects Live and the, you know, he's a Mariners guy originally. And, you know, he was talking about like trying to figure out a Miles Straw trade in the offseason. Teams need center fielders. It is a hard position to find and fill. There are not a lot of good ones. I would argue after catcher and shortstop, it's actually the hardest position. Uh, so if you can get a guy who with his defense, I mean, he might be the best defensive center fielder in baseball now. And then you put Steve Kwan in left field, like Stephen Kwan can handle center. But in left field, you have two, and all of a sudden you have two plus defenders. And also, like, how crazy is it that, like, Miles Straw has 22, I want to say, outfield assists, and the next closest guy has 14? Like, it's rare that it's a center fielder. Uh, often it's, you know, the guys in the corners who have the arms to get that done. So he brings so much defensively. I just give me slightly below average. So it's very positive to see that jump, uh, the positive performance from him. You know, I spent a lot of time kind of harping on that bad stretch with Seattle. Let's go the other way in terms of how this team is playing. So the that terrible stretch, you know, I was talking about performance. How about since then? It's only been 10 games, smallest of sample sizes, but 
since that Seattle series from September 10th or September 5th to September 15th, Oscar Gonzalez has a 277 runs graded plus. It's one of the single greatest I've ever seen. A 444 ISO, all four home runs in the last 10 days. Uh, he's got nine on the year, four in a week and a half. Go down, Jose Ramirez a 143, Jimenez a 135, Quan a 118. So for all of his scuffling, it's still not like it's a terrible 10 days. I feel like maybe I'm just seeing an echo chamber online, and it might not be true. Owen Miller, a 111. Miles Straw, a 111. Hedges, a 77. And Ahmed, a 70. That's, I believe, with today's game counted in. So it's it's been a rough stretch for Ahmed. Like He is he is scuffling quite a bit. Uh, we'll see what goes. But, yeah, this is where I'm kind of excited as a Guardians fan that so much of the offense is clicking now, if you want to be a pessimist, you'd be like, yeah. And during that time, they had the Angels and the Royals, who will both pick in the top 10 for, you know, the Angels technically in the top 10. If not, if they weren't this year, they were adjacent. Like, those are two teams that have essentially been living in the top 10 of the draft. And instead, Cleveland's got five against the Twins in four game days, three against the White Sox. Then you got the Rangers, who are struggling. Now, off day on the 26th, four, three against Tampa. So it's another tough team who is going to be fighting for their playoff lives and position. And you got the Royals to, I believe, finish it up, right? The, the, and that's kind of the, the Guardian superpower in terms of this race. So, yes, they have a three-game lead right now. And they just had a really cruddy loss to the White Sox. Again, family-friendly show. Can't use the words I want to use, but it was a terrible game. They have three more against the White Sox this year. They have this five against the Twins, and then it's Texas, who's not good, Tampa, and then ending for six against the uh, the Kansas City Royals, right? Yeah, six games in a row against the Royals to end the year. Huge, absolutely huge to end with the Royals. Talk about they're not as bad as they were. They're still not good. Uh, on the other side of things, you know, the we talked that they, the White Sox have Detroit. Well, there are other games. So for the White Sox, they have the hardest route in my mind to this. Because, yes, they have Detroit this weekend. Then they have Cleveland. Then they have Detroit. But then they have the Twins, Padres, Twins. So they're going to end with teams trying to compete. On the other side of things, the Twins, they have Cleveland. Then they have Kansas City and Los Angeles Angels, two teams we know not the best. Then they have the White Sox. Then it's the Tigers. Then it's the White Sox. So while Cleveland is facing Kansas City, the Twins and White Sox are going to be playing each other while fighting for the division. That's part of the reason why Cleveland should be viewed as favorites uh, on top of having a three-game lead. But if you didn't realize that was coming up, I mean, that does that make you feel better right now, knowing that they're going to have to go head-to-head while Cleveland gets Kansas City? Uh, Additionally, I went and looked it up. If I did my adding right, Cleveland is currently up two games on the White Sox in head-to-head this year. So with the three-game series uh, next week, if Cleveland takes two out of three, then it is essentially a bonus game in the division up, a bonus half game. Uh, If it's a tie, I would need to go look and see what the next level of tiebreaker is. But yeah, if they can take two out of three from the White Sox next week, that's pretty much all she wrote, in my opinion, for this division. Uh, they need to play well against the Twins, but if they can take two out of three in Chicago, it's going to be huge. Gives them such an advantage. Now, if they lose two out, of three, two out of three, then it's essentially like losing half a game on them. So it's 
yeah, they, they need to take care of business because it just opens up opens up so much after this. We're going to take break number two, come back, talk about the Anthony Ghost news on today's episode of Locked On Guardians. So if you missed it, Anthony Ghost had Tommy John surgery yesterday. Uh, he is 32 years of age. He will miss his age 33 season. And essentially, he's hoping to come back before he turns 34. What's it mean for him? Well, he's currently on the 60-day disabled list, and he'll stay there till the end of the year. That's a great story for him that as this, you know, hitter, he went through the minors and the majors, got to the big leagues, was a big, you know, athlete type, uh, but then struggled and had to go back and kind of reprove himself uh, as a, you know, a a different hitter. And he debuted in 2012 with the Blue Jays, uh, played for them for parts of three years and was with the Tigers. And had a career, uh, 656 OPS and 82 OPS plus. I mean, that we're hoping for an 82 OPS plus from Miles Straw, right? Like that's that's the dream. He wasn't a a bad hitter. There were some ups and downs and some stuff all around the game where you know I remember with when he got demoted, it was not the best look. But he struggled uh, as a hitter and then decided to come back as a pitcher. And that was from. 2012 to 2016 comes back last year after five years away in 2021 uh, he was with the team this year total so far as a pitcher 27 uh, two-thirds innings an ERA plus of 104 uh, strikeouts per nine of 12 walks per nine of 5.2 home runs per nine of 1.3 his FIP a 418 perfectly respectable problem is his age let's be honest and what's going to happen is he'll get to the end of the year uh, and since he's on the 60-day disabled list, at the end of the year, you can't have anyone on the 60-day disabled list. Right now, he doesn't count against the 40-man. You only have that during the season. He will be released. They will offer him a minor league contract. He can come back and join the team. I don't know. You know, the, I don't imagine unless they like want to do him a huge favor, they would put him on the 60-day DL once the season began next year. You might decide that, hey, Cleveland's bullpen all of a sudden looks pretty good. I can maybe have a better opportunity somewhere else. He might decide not to come back, but I think uh, there is no way he gets re-rostered now. I don't see any pathway to it. As, as a player who's going to miss his age 33 year, uh, he's a fantastic story, but uh, it's probably the end of the line for him, at least in terms of Cleveland, in the near or immediate I guess near and immediate are the same thing. In the near or even kind of distant future, because we're really not looking at a return to pitching until 2024 for him, unfortunately. Uh, I do want to take a second and apologize for the general snuffiness and the head cold. Uh, It's not just recording two of these in a row. It is a bit of a head cold that probably has me sounding a bit off. I hope all of you are avoiding the fun of uh, if your kids are back in school, all the germs hitting at once. It's, it's a good time, uh, I swear. So here's the thing. I'm assuming this is a postseason squad. I'm just going to, until otherwise, I am saying that they are in the postseason. The schedule sets them up well. They are playing well. Everything is coming up millhouse, as it were. So let's assume this is a playoff squad. Who are your top four starters? top three you kind of have to worry about it first right and I think looking at this team would you say for the postseason it goes here's the other question is it Bieber McKenzie Quantrell or do you think it is McKenzie Bieber Quantrell 
I think most people would agree it should still be uh, Bieber 1, but you have an advantage over a lot of teams when that's your top two. It's a nice situation to have, right? And then is it your hope and Savali comes back to be your fourth starter, that he'll come back and pitch at the end of this month? Who's the guy you're really counting on? I think that's where I kind of go, ugh. Like, I'm not, I'm not sure with this team. I'm not sure who that fourth option is. I'm not sure who the next player up is. I guess Savale. If the postseason began today, who is, who, you know, looking at this team, let's just assume that Kirk McCarty is the added arm. So he's not here. Uh, we assume that, you know, the Gaddis spot would be filled by Savale. Who is the rest of this bullpen? Like who, you know, classic 99s, uh, Stefan, Sandlin, Henches. Great. And I didn't even mention Henches when I was talking about the great parts of this pen. That's what's so crazy about it. Morgan, Shaw, Eniel. Like, okay, Shaw's a massive weak link. But he's going to be there. He's People keep saying, when is he going to go away? He's not. He probably will be back next year, let's be honest. They're not going to exercise his option, but I guarantee you he gets another 2 to $3 million to come back next year because it certainly seems like Tito's coming back, and that's his buddy. That is his guy. So Shaw will be back next year. It's probably going to be just like this past year. It's going to be after they go through, you know, the rule. I know there was no Rule 5 this year, but it was after it was announced there would be no Rule 5. They won't exercise his option. They'll use that roster spot, and then they'll figure out later on either by making some trades, hopefully, to finally upgrade the roster through some trades. Again, I like where this roster is, but you can still tweak it a little bit and make it a lot better. But so you already talked about all those fun pieces, the multiple dynamic spots. Imagine adding Cody Morris to that mix. Uh, as a postseason arm in the pen, it's it. They are set up to be, and people make fun of the central. People make fun of you know whoever comes out of there like it's a buy, it, it's a rollover. And I'm going to insist this is not a team you want to face. You do not want to face a team with a good bullpen, a team that can shorten the game down, a team that's going to make a ton of contact. This is not a team I think anyone wants to face. I don't think there's an advantage to facing them. Yeah, Houston is tough, but right now, and the Yankees have the big names, but they're a team that's scuffling. Would you rather face New York or would you rather face Cleveland? I think that is actually, there's room for debate there. Continuing to talk about it, like, who? what is the bench if this team makes the postseason? You know, we assume that the guys who have been there all year, uh, we don't need to go through the entire lineup, but, you know, in terms of the bench guys, you got Owen Miller, Luke Maley. Who are the other guys who are going to fill in? And, I mean, Miller is almost like a borderline starter, so if you assume Maley, Maley, no, he's not a fighter, Maley, <laughs> who are the other three bench spots? I think Ty Freeman's probably earned it by now, right? So who are the other two? Is it Will Benson? Is he going to be your fourth outfielder? I mean, looking across, I think I think so. So who then makes it? Is it Palacios? Is it Clement? Is it Nolan Jones? Who do they get to be that kind of final player uh, who can fill in at a few different spots and play? It's kind of interesting to debate and consider who's it going to be when this team makes the postseason. Because, again, I stand that they will make the postseason. And then at the end of the day, enjoy them. To steal world words from our immor- immortal, no, immoral and immortal are both wrong. Uh, I got 
brain fog from this cold. I uh, can't think of what we'd want to say, the correct word I was going for there. But in terms of, you know, our very uh, memorable, I'll say, owner, enjoy them. Like, this is a team that is young, they are fun, they are loaded with stars, and they're... Here we go. It is, as of recording this, 15th of September. You know, if I did the old song, you know, 30 days past September, it's right there. We're halfway through this month. They still have a three-game lead in the division. We're talking about essentially two, three weeks left now. You know, one, two, three weeks left. They're up three games. Take some time and enjoy a baseball team that is playing really well, that has a lot of fun players, a lot of very fun young players you're going to get to enjoy for years. The Guardians had that, well, back in there, the Indians had that great run under Terry. And then last few years, not as fun. I say it's time to look past the name stuff. And if you're bothered by it and you're mad by it, okay. You're allowed to be mad. I'm not saying give it up, but don't, if you love baseball, don't spite yourself because of a name. Take, you know, you can still be PO'd, be mad, totally be mad. That's fine. That is your choice. I'm not saying you, you can't be mad. That is your choice. But don't let your anger let you miss out on a fun time as a baseball fan. If you love baseball, you're going to love this team. I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been Locked on Guardians podcast for Friday. Uh, remember to rate and review, download daily. It helps. Uh, subscribe on the iTunes. And, you know, just... I... Okay, my one promise has been... I'll respond to every comment. I'm, I'm going to give up on that, okay? I'm going to respond to comments that I feel like I have things to say and or are nice, uh, you know, that are fun. I, 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 I'm not going to wade into the murk. So there's no point to it, right? There's just no point to such things. So that's not going to happen. Uh, thank you, thank you all. Again, last week we cracked the top 10 podcasts in the network. That's huge. And every month we are growing exponentially. I have that new co-host information soon. Thank you to the best fans there are, honestly. I, I deal with less negativity than any fan base, and that is a tribute to each and every one of you. As I end every show, go, go, Guardians, go.